I shall read from the King James Version of the Holy Bible. The topic is Action. 1 Samuel There is none holy as the Lord. For there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had an helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your army in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for me, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me, and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him, and kill him, then shall ye be our servants, and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man, that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, and ran into the army, and came and saluted his brethren. 
And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he assayed to go, but he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on, and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose, and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, and took thence a stone, and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, 
and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Isaiah Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet, and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Psalms Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. I shall now read correlative passages from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health, with Key to the Scriptures, by Mary Baker Eddy. God is mind, and God is infinite, hence all is mind. Mind is perpetual motion. Mind produces all action. There is no involuntary action. The divine mind includes all action and volition, and man in science is governed by this mind. Mind is the source of all movement, and there is no inertia to retard or check its perpetual and harmonious action. Mind is the same life, love, and wisdom yesterday and today and forever. Matter and its effects, sin, sickness, and death, are states of mortal mind which act, react, and then come to a stop. They are not facts of mind. They are not ideas, but illusions. Principle is absolute. It admits of no error, but rests upon understanding. Mortal mind is the acknowledged seat of human motives. It forms material concepts and produces every discordant action of the body. If action proceeds from the divine mind, action is harmonious. If it comes from erring mortal mind, it is discordant and ends in sin, sickness, death. Those two opposite sources never mingle in fount or stream. The perfect mind sends forth perfection, for God is mind. The human mind tries to classify action as voluntary and involuntary and suffers from the attempt. The body seems to be self-acting, only because mortal mind is ignorant of itself, of its own actions, and of their results. Ignorant that the predisposing, 
remote and exciting cause of all bad effects is a law of so-called mortal mind, not of matter. Mind is the master of the corporeal senses and can conquer sickness, sin, and death. Exercise this God-given authority. Take possession of your body and govern its feeling and action. Rise in the strength of spirit to resist all that is unlike good. God has made man capable of this, and nothing can vitiate the ability and power divinely bestowed on man. Belief in a material basis from which may be deduced all rationality is slowly yielding to the idea of a metaphysical basis looking away from matter to mind as the cause of every effect. Materialistic hypotheses challenge metaphysics to meet in final combat. In this revolutionary period, like the shepherd boy with his sling, woman goes forth to battle with Goliath. In this final struggle for supremacy, semi-metaphysical systems afford no substantial aid to scientific metaphysics, for their arguments are based on the false testimony of the material senses as well as on the facts of mind. Disease has no intelligence. Unwittingly you sentence yourself to suffer. The understanding of this will enable you to commute this self-sentence and meet every circumstance with truth. Disease is less than mind, and mind can control it. Without the so-called human mind, there can be no inflammatory nor torpid action of the system. Remove the error, and you destroy its effects. To succeed in healing, you must conquer your own fears as well as those of your patients, and rise into higher and holier consciousness. Christian science silences human will quiets fear with truth and love, and illustrates the unlabored motion of the divine energy in healing the sick. Self-seeking, envy, passion, pride, hatred, and revenge are cast out by the divine mind which heals disease. Remove the leading error or governing fear of this lower so-called mind, and you remove the cause of all disease, as well as the morbid or excited action of any organ. You also remove in this way what are termed organic diseases as readily as functional difficulties. Mind is the natural stimulus of the body. But erroneous belief, taken at its best, is not promotive of health or happiness. Tell the sick that they can meet disease fearlessly if they only realize that divine love gives them all power over every physical action and condition. If we look to the body for pleasure, we find pain. For life, we find death. For truth, 
we find error. For spirit, we find its opposite, matter. Now reverse this action. Look away from the body into truth and love, the principle of all happiness, harmony, and immortality. Hold thought steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true, and you will bring these into your experience proportionably to their occupancy of your thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. Mind is all that feels, acts, or impedes action. If we understood the control of mind over body, we should put no faith in material means. Science not only reveals the origin of all disease as mental, but it also declares that all disease is cured by divine mind. There can be no healing except by this mind. However much we trust a drug or any other means towards which human faith or endeavor is directed. Only the action of truth, life, and love can give harmony. Whatever teaches man to have other laws and to acknowledge other powers than the divine mind is anti-Christian. Knowing that soul and its attributes were forever manifested through man, the Master healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, feet to the lame, thus bringing to light the scientific action of the divine mind on human minds and bodies, and giving a better understanding of soul and salvation. Jesus healed sickness and sin by one and the same metaphysical process. You conquer error by denying its verity. The spiritual reality is the scientific fact in all things. The spiritual fact, repeated in the action of man and the whole universe, is harmonious and is the ideal of truth. Sickness and sin fall by their own weight. Truth is the rock of ages, the headstone of the corner, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Truth is always the victor. Let us have a few moments of silent prayer. <laughs> 